Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Uh, welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. Hi, I'm Bill, and each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the 12-step programs that assists recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. Today, our guest is a compulsive gambler who's recovering with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. Uh, I'd like to welcome Tim to the show. Hi, Tim. Hey, Bill. How are you going? Good, thanks. Tim, we usually talk about growing up and what influenced you to take your path you did into gambling. So what was family like, life like for you? Yeah, look, I had a pretty, I had a pretty good upbringing. Like um, my parents, we weren't ever like a, a rich family of any means. Like we're always, we're probably, yeah, we class as, uh, as working class. But, you know, I had two great parents who brought us up really well. Yeah, I definitely feel pretty lucky to be um, brought up in a house that was full of love. So that's yeah, pretty much like my childhood. Um, so did you have any how many brothers and sisters? Uh, I've got three brothers. Okay. Older or younger? Two younger and uh, one older from my mum's first marriage. So So did you get on with them? Yeah, like you always the usual brother sort of uh, <laughs> little fights here and there. But um yeah, generally pretty close with my brothers. Probably more one than the other two, the young because we're really close in age. Um, we work in the same field. But, yeah, we're, we're generally pretty close. Was there any gambling or other addictions in your extended family? Definitely um, alcohol and and drugs t- to a certain extent. But there wasn't really much gambling at all. So I wasn't, I wasn't around it as a kid. So what relationship were you to the alcohol and drugs? Well, my granddad had a bit of a problem. I was... He passed away when I was um, nine, but um, so the, and then my older brother has always sort of had a, you know his um, problems with marijuana, um, which I sort of grew up surrounded with all the stuff that went, all the flow and effect of that, getting in a bit of trouble and stuff. So we were exposed to that at, at a pretty young age. Um, got in trouble with the police a few times and that. Yeah, my dad used to have a problem with alcohol before we were born, but um, yeah, he's he's pretty good now. I'm gonna have to straighten him out. How did you get on with other kids at school? Primary school, I was really quiet. I was a real sort of skinny, real quiet kid. Um, I got through all right. Then high school, as I sort of got to that teenager age, I was acting out a bit, finding myself in a bit of trouble. I could never really pinpoint why, but um, I don't know if it's like a normal, normal teenager, but I sort of I took it to the next level, I guess, and... Yeah, high school sort of wasn't for me in the end and I left at the end of year 11 to pursue a trade. But I've, I've, I've always sort of been like a pretty quiet kid. I've never really come out of my shell too much, a little bit as I've got older, um, but I've always sort of been an introvert as a person. Did you use drugs or alcohol yourself? I'd sort of been drinking, um, you know, just nothing like to a heavy extent since I was about 17. Um, it's more of a casual drinker and I, um, I have dabbled in illegal drugs sort of here and there, but it's nothing that's really 
taken like I've really taken a fancy to. Like I've sort of tried it and then you know didn't really like the experience too much. So I've never really took off for me. Yeah. So what got you interested in gambling? I think it was it was probably more circumstance. Like one of my old best mate, his dad was a like a bit of a punter, and then obviously it got on to him. And then I just I can still remember like being in the TAB for the first time and him sort of showing me how to do it when we were seventeen. And then it just it just took off from there, like sort of relatively like pretty quickly. So I wasn't I wouldn't say it was a real interest initially, but as I sort of got older, eighteen and that, and it was just more of like an escape for me and yeah, I was pretty I was hooked pretty quick like I wasn't a slow burn yeah a lot of people think about gambling as you know people wanting money and stuff but you know everybody that I talk to talks about it being an escape a, a, the ability to shut out everything around you so what what were you trying to shut out honestly that's what I still haven't probably I'm still working on it like um I have Probably never really being comfortable in my own skin, I guess, um, as a person and how I view myself. But this time around, I've definitely been doing a lot of work on that and I'm starting, I've changed, I've been on, changed my antidepressants and that, so I've been feeling, you know, a lot better. Um, there's obviously, there's a lot of personal work I need to do on myself, but this is stuff that's going to be done like over time, like it's not an overnight fix. And I, and I know that now. As gamblers, we sort of, um, we want everything done like instantly, like I, I just, I never had patience. So if I got myself into a bit of debt, I wanted to pay it off straight away. Or, you know, I just, I never had any patience with anything in life. I'm only just, you know, learning that now um, on this part of my recovery. So that must, that must stem from something. So when did you first experience that feeling of being ill at ease with yourself? How early? Probably during high school, maybe even back into primary school, I'd say. So it's been, it's been a long time and I've, Probably never like fully addressed it. I've done counselling and stuff like through um, uh, some like gamblers help on that, but I never really got to the bottom of it. So the next step I've decided to do is um, is to see a psychologist. But because um, of COVID at the moment, it's real hard to get in. So that's something that's on my um, that's on my list to do next year because I think it's something I do need to get to the bottom of or at least try to. Yeah, it's good. It's good to understand why. Yeah, knowing the what is not not necessarily satisfactory. It's it's understanding why we do why we why we think the way we think. Yeah. So you're talking about antidepressants then. So did you have um, anxiety as well? Not anxiety. It was just more um, like lack of motivation and always like you know I got uh, diagnosed with depression. So I was, my motivation, especially if I was gambling, would just be like through the floor. And you know, every day seemed like a struggle. So I was sort of speaking to my local GP and she sort of suggested in October maybe give these a try. And then the ones I was on weren't really working for me. So I was on them till about, oh, geez, probably middle of this year. And then then I've changed them up a couple of times. So I think what I'm on now seems to be working well. But it's not something that I want to be on forever. Uh, it's just something that's going to help me in, in the meantime because I don't want to be taking a tablet every day of my life but if I have to if that's what I have to to feel you know good and happy then you know it's a small price to pay yeah it is isn't it that's right so I guess leaving school and and doing a trade must have been a change in your life so how did did that impact your your gambling or your behavior when you left school 
Yeah, absolutely. So obviously going into a trade, I um, was earning a lot more money sort of at a young age. I was pretty fortunate with the companies I was able to work for being union companies. So like my, you know, the money I was making was, was pretty decent. Um, and I really could have set myself up, but obviously the more money I had as I, as I got older, the more I was able to sort of, you know, gamble, gamble away, I guess. Yeah. So what was your favorite gambling? Oh, for me, I was never really into sports gambling, which is weird because I love my sports and, you know, I think I'm pretty knowledgeable about it, but I was always, you know, the horses, the trots and the dogs, the trackside they had because it was all, it was, it was a quick rush and it was over. And if I lost, I could get on the next one almost straight away. Yeah, I used to go with my dad sometimes to the um, to the trots and to the dogs. And yeah, it's very quick, isn't it? <laughs> Particularly the dogs. Yeah. So if, you know, if you lost on that race, you're able to sort of reload, I guess, and try and get that back on the next one, which wasn't too far away. So did you gamble with friends? At the start, yes. Yep. And what happened? Why did that drop off? I suppose probably in the end, I got to a point where I just wanted to do it alone. I, like I wanted to isolate. I, got to, I was very isolated, not just with gambling, but with almost everything in life, um, just as a person. So in the end, like I'd go to a pub where, I, you know, I knew I probably wasn't going to run into anyone I know. Yeah. Or a CAB where I knew I was going to be able to be by myself. And if I did run into someone, that was like my worst nightmare because, you know, you're there by yourself and you have to sort of make conversation when you're, all you want to do is just be looking at the screens. So I guess it had an impact on your relationships. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what sort of impact did it have for you? I was dating someone from when I was about 18, which is probably when it really started to kick off. And then we were together probably six or seven years. But it was it was just a vicious cycle um, for her and probably what I put her through, like bailing me out a lot and, you know, in the end, I ended up losing that relationship because, you know, she couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, I completely understand that now. She sort of felt that she was enabling me by always bailing me out. I was never sort of really taking responsibility for my actions um, and hitting that rock bottom, I guess, having her own up to my actions because was, she was always there to sort of bail me out. And, you know, I wasn't probably the nicest person we were together as well because, you know, when you're in that gambling state, you pretty much almost do anything to get money to get on on the next one, I guess. It is very difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This idea of isolating is very, um, I guess, common across all everybody who's addicted to something is the the wanting just to be on their own doing doing things eventually um, because people get in the way. Yeah. And relationships get in the way. Yeah. So. Talking about that relationship then, did she understand you had a problem with gambling? Yeah, absolutely. She was very understanding of like addiction and stuff like that. Um, it just got to the point where she had to put herself first and just realise that we weren't ever, she we was never going to break that sort of cycle until, you know, I sort of hit my own rock bottom, I guess. And so I had to own up to my actions at the time, which would have happened. Um, and... You know, for a period of time, I, I did get myself back on track for probably nearly, you know, a year and a half or so. We saw I had a, a few after that, I had a couple of relapses, but yeah, she was a very understanding partner. And I, you know, now I look back and I sort of feel really bad for what I put her through because she's a lovely person and didn't deserve any of that. Yeah, there's a lot of collateral damage in in addiction, that's for sure. 
So how did it affect your work? It's funny because I was speaking about this the other day. I've never really, hasn't probably impacted me as much with work as what some people might think. Like I've, it's something I've always been able to, I've always had a good work ethic, which I got off my parents, I think. So no matter what was going on, I, you know, I'd always just get the job done. Obviously there'd be, if I had a big blowout, you know, you know, big binge, I might like call in sick the next day or something, but I don't think it's had a big impact on my work at all. I've always had that ability to sort of push on no matter what's going on in life and get what, you know, do what I need to do. So a lot of people spend a lot of time at work thinking about gambling. So did you do that? Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, the other question I've got is people who gamble on the horses and dogs and trots tend to fall into two categories. One, they either follow the form, they think they're informed, or they just bet. Which which one were you? Oh, no, I didn't know anything about horses. Never read form guides at all. It's just... It was just, you know, purely to get on. Like, it was, it, when you think about it, it's really stupid. But, yeah, I never read, read, read a form guide at all. just never interested me. It was just about just being on and, you know, being able to gamble on something that was going to be over in, you know, a minute or minute and a half. So it, it's not so much about, about the money. It's about the buzz, the thrill. Yeah, definitely. Or, like, the escape escapism as well. Like, because in the end... Because I'm 60, 60 days clean today, um, after my latest relapse. In the end, um, it just it got to the point where I knew I wasn't getting that money back. Which, when you think about it, it's just crazy. I was putting in any sort of count that I knew I wasn't going to be able to withdraw from, even if I did win. But it's just purely about getting on. That's what it was in the end for me, and that's when I realised that it was a bit of a fork in the road moment with the partner I'm with now. Um, I've been with since February. Lovely. Um, Lovely lady who's got a little little young five-year-old girl who I, you know, I adore the both of them. And I realised if I don't sort of, I was pretty much given like a last chance to get my act together or, you know, I was going to lose them. And, you know, I've lost, I lost enough in my life. You know, some of it's my own, by my own doing. But more importantly, I was doing it for myself as well. So, you know, these last 60 days, I've learned probably more than I have previously about myself and, you know, sort of what I want out of life. Yeah. Gambling, obviously, eventually everybody loses. There's no there's no winners in gambling. So eventually you'll lose a lot of money. Yeah. So where has that taken you as far as debt goes? It's probably when I was a year and a half, I was able to pay off my debt and then I got myself clean, I had savings. I had a decent amount of savings for a while and then obviously when I relapsed, you know, I'd burn through all that. And um, after my latest relapse, you know, I've only got like a a couple of grand in debt. So I'm in the process of paying that off, but which I've been probably pretty fortunate. It wasn't a lot. I didn't, did, didn't dig myself into a deeper hole than what I did. So, you know, I'll have that paid off sort of by February and then can get back to saving. Um, but it's pretty disheartening <laughs> paying off, you know, being 30 in February and not having, you know, much to my name at all. <laughs> Yeah, it is a bit depressing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, we might take a short break there. Oh, free. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. 
If you're interested in listening to one of our many podcasts, then either head to your preferred podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, or just Google 3CR Living Free. On our show's webpage, you'll also find details about the Living Free show and how to contact us. So now I'm talking with Tim about compulsive gambling and his recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. Tim, sort of to take you back and talk about, you know, how your progression into gambling went. You know, you said you you started gambling in TAVs and were gambling on horses, horses and dogs and enjoyed the, you know, the fast buzz of the race and the fact that it was over. Some of the people I talked to have actually placed a bet on a horse race and as it was on, lost interest in that and started looking at the next race to put a bet on the next race because I didn't want to miss the next the next race. Yep. So what's it like being in that cycle of, of gambling where you're, you're just chasing the next bit of excitement, if you like? It's really stressful, but at the same time, obviously it's the, the, uh, the addiction talking, but at the same time, like there's a part of me that also like, loves it. Like not so much anymore. Like this time around is a lot different for me, but there'll be times where the best thing to me in the world would be sitting on my own couch with a beer, just constantly betting on the next race, the next race. And that was like all I wanted to do. Like that was the best thing in the world to me. Like that's a good day to me, which, you know, is ridiculous. Because <laughs> I'm just burning away my hard-earned cash. Yeah. So were you looking at, um, because my understanding is in horse racing and things like that, there's a there's a race on every half hour or something around Australia. Yeah, yep. So is that part of the thing about going from track to track to track to have a bet pretty much yeah just jumping on whatever's next and did you did you have any significant wins normally people who get into gambling have a a small significant win initially and that fires them up was that did you have that experience probably not initially but like i've had significant wins over the time i can remember like i can still pinpoint i can still vividly uh see the point where I look back now and I realise that was a point where I was hooked. It was when I walked in to the pub by myself on a weeknight uh, in the CAB bit and I took I had $50 with me and then I ended up losing it on the um, Greyhounds and I just told myself I have to go get $50 more to get this back, which I did in the end and then left. But now I look back and I pinpoint that as a moment where, you know, where it all began, I guess, where I knew it was a problem going in there by myself, that feeling of having to get that money lost back because that's what it is really, like you're constantly chasing your losses. Yeah, it's a funny term, isn't it, chasing your losses? So could you admit to other people what you were doing or was this a hidden part of your life? No, definitely hidden, definitely hidden. And I was very good at hiding it. I'll see sort of people around me eventually knew because, you know, I might have to, I had to ask for help financially or whatever, so, but... Yeah, I was able to hide it very well. So what's it like when you need to borrow money from others? Oh, it's the most embarrassing thing in the world. I, I like to think that I've um, got a bit of pride about myself and, and that, but, yeah, it's, it's just embarrassing. And you just you feel down on yourself because you're like, how do I get to this position, you know, where I'm 29, I've got my hand out for money because I've got absolutely nothing. Other people I talk to as well, once they get their paycheck, it's they they have the 
I don't know if it's the urge or the desire or the necessity to actually spend it. So do you, did you have that issue where you spent all your money when you got it? Numerous times. So I, I can recall times that I've done a fortnight's paycheck in the space of half an hour, an hour. Wow. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. So take us through one of those then. You know, assume you assume you've got, I don't know, thousand dollars. Then what what's it like? You know, what's sort of your process? Do you do you keep on doubling or what what do you do to try and chase the chase the money? So pretty much like I obviously have nothing from the week before or the fortnight before, um, because you know, I say I punted that as well. But you know, you start off small, you might say about like twenty-five bucks on something safe, and then you might lose that and then you know, I find myself like $500 down and then, the, you know, the bets might get bigger and stupider trying to make that winnings larger. But obviously, you've been on stuff that's probably never going to get up. And then, you know, in, in, you know, in the space of half an hour, an hour, you know, it could all be gone. And then you just, you hit rock bottom and you realise then, only then what you've done. And you're like, well, what am I going to do for the next fortnight? How am I going to pay my bills? And how did you? Well, that's probably where, like, you know, people come in, um, that would bail me out and I'd just live off nothing for a fortnight, which as a, you know, mid twenties male, you know, you want to have money to be able to go out and do whatever. Um, but I just, for a lot of my, I just didn't, I just didn't have that. And I robbed myself of traveling when I was younger and, you know, buying my own house at a younger age. Like I've robbed myself of that, which is a, which is a, it's a bit of pill to swallow, but I'm sort of learning now to accept that, you know, that's all behind me and I can only change what I do going forward. Yeah. Did any of your friends have a, a gambling problem as well or were you the only one? I do have a friend now that, you know, has spoken to me a few times, but I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as what mine is, um, but he's he's recognised it's a problem. But um, apart from that, not really, no. Did you run out of friends as a gambler? Look, I definitely... Uh, probably surrounded myself with people that probably weren't good for me. Um, that's from like, you know, being exposed to to punting and, you know, just they weren't the sort of people that I see now that are good for me. They, you know, I didn't really respect me, I guess. And because I was very like, I've become a real yes man. Like I never really had, because um, I didn't have much confidence in myself, I sort of wasn't able to um, to maybe stand up to people or, you know, I always avoided confrontation, so I just sort of went along with friendships that I probably shouldn't have for a long time, um, whereas now I've sort of got the ability to sort of cut people out of my life that, you know, probably don't add any value, um, you could say. So do you still have any friends from childhood? Yeah, probably uh, my best mate, oh, my best mate who I met in year, year seven and I was his best man in his wedding. Uh, there's probably one or two more, but not really. Like the the group of friends I got now, I've sort of found later on, um, which which you know happens when you, as you get older, like you're not always going to stay friends with everyone. Um, so does that friend know about your gambling? I've never. I've spoken to him a few years ago, but I've sort of always kept it separate because I didn't think he'd really understand. Um, while he's a very like caring person, and that I don't think he's probably ever been exposed from what I know of, to addiction. So, and I always thought I could tackle it on myself as well. Like I, n- I never really let people in as well. So that's sort of something, again, I've only just started to learn to do. So, yeah, he doesn't really know too much about it. Yeah. So when you're gambling, you're 
you're sort of leading two lives at once. Oh, 100%, yeah, yeah. One's, one's a public life, one's a private life. Yep. So how much effort is it to try and keep those two things separate? Oh, it's tiring because it's um, you almost you become a compulsive liar, and you become like lying always becomes um, like second nature to you. Like it's it's ridiculous, really. Like because you're trying to hide this life, so you're constantly like on the back foot. Like you feel like you're defending yourself from you know people maybe asking questions. But yeah, I, I look back now, I just. Just like so many lies and it was just tiring, really. That's probably the, the easiest way to put it. It was just tiring. Yeah. So what about your family? Did they understand that you had a problem or you, couldn't you go there? My younger brother does. Um, he's been really good. So there were stages where he was looking after my bank account and that, which now I do by oh, this time around. I said, you know, I've got to do this all by myself. I've got to, you know, I've got to take control you know, my, my accounts, um, I've, I've got to do this whole journey by myself. Like I can't sort of rely on people like I have done for, you know, the best, you know, over a decade now. My mum was really understanding, but she passed away April 2015. And my dad is really caring, but he's never really understood it, I guess. Like his, his mantra was, you know, why don't you just stop? You know, why don't you just stop? And I, just, I always say to him, if it was that easy, it would have stopped. You know, years ago before, you know, like this is, isn't something I want for myself, um, but it's also something that, I, you know, I don't have control over. Yeah, people find it very hard to understand that if they can do it, why can't you? It's uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lack of understanding of, the, I guess, the disease concept that it's a thinking problem yeah. as much as anything else, yeah. So when did you sort of think you needed to get help from something outside of you? That you couldn't do it alone. I was seeing a counsellor when I was with my first serious relationship before it ended, and look, it was going alright. Like it was all through um, gamblers' help and that, but I just, yeah, like I guess it just wasn't, it didn't do it for me in the end. And then I ended up after that relationship, I ended up taking up a job with, you know, one of my other best mates, and we're both electricians by trade, so we we travelled around Australia. Um, so I took myself out of Victoria, like I felt that was best for me at the time, and we did that for a year, um, which was a big part of me getting back on track at the time. Yeah. And then, you know, so I came back and, you know, I put myself in a position at a work, at a work do, which was at the races. I probably, you know, I look back now and I shouldn't put myself, you know, in those in those positions even be there. But, you know, I sort of was under the impression that I um I had full control over it. I'd be all right. You know, and it just it just went downhill from there pretty quickly. So I did seek help pretty early on, but I guess I wasn't willing to change. So I was never, it was never going to work no matter what I did. Was there an issue of honesty there that you couldn't admit to what was really happening? Because I've heard of people who have been to counsellor and they left the council and they went to the pokies next door and then went home. It was just, you know, they they were only going for someone else. They weren't going for themselves. Yeah, that was definitely me. Um, definitely me. Like I always would be like, I'd always say to myself, you know, you've got to do this for someone else. You got to do this for someone else. Otherwise, you lose lose this relationship. But you can't. You you need to do it for yourself, and the rest then takes care of itself. So, is gambler's help useful to a to a gambler in real terms to a real gambler? 
Look, I can't say I took much out of it, but that's not to say that other people might have different opinions, but it's never really done much for me. The only thing that's ever really worked for me has been GA. Um, But again, it comes back to the person. Like, GA is good, but you've got to buy into it. You've got to want to be there. Um, Otherwise, it's it's never going to work. So what was it that triggered you to seek help from something like GA? I probably first went into the rooms when I was about 25, I reckon. And at that time in my life, I just changed. wasn't what I wanted. Like, I just didn't want it. So I went in there, thought I was better than everyone else. I'm like, I don't have to be here. Like, I'm not, I'm not like these people. And then when I had that sort of big relapse after a year and a half, I got into it and, you know, I took a lot of it. I was going every Monday night to the Oakley meeting and and then, you know, sort of COVID hit and that was when – that was my last relapse sort of during COVID, probably I think it was August or whenever it was this year. Um, so I wasn't able to get into the rooms and, you know, I, I did this, the first couple of Zoom meetings but I felt like I wasn't really getting much out of it. Like I was missing that um, personable sort of aspect to it. Yeah. You know, again, I put myself in a position that I shouldn't have and, you know, I wasn't sort of strong enough uh, and then that led to another relapse. But now I've been doing, in you know, the last 60 days, I've done every Monday night Zoom meeting and now I want to be there. Like, that's what I look forward to now is going every Monday night on Zoom and seeing how other people are doing and because I can always take something out of someone's share every week. So that's what I know works among with other, like, sort of stuff i put in place in my life. But that's definitely the big one. Yeah. So when when you decided to take GA seriously, what what was the change for you? Not getting there, bang on time. Like I was getting there early, not shooting shooting away. You know, I'd always hang back for a talk now, and just engaging with the members. Um, so the first time around, I didn't get myself a sponsor. I was just turning up, um, and then when I had a pretty decent relapse, um, you know, back end of last year. You know, like I didn't really have any other so I met up with um, some who I was closest with and he agreed to be my sponsor um, and he's been really good for me. He's been a massive help. I, I owe him a lot. And it's just like, like it's like it's the small things, just getting a sponsor. It's um, it's getting there early for a chat, staying back for a bit of a chat. It's actually engaging and listening to what people are saying, not just sort of sitting there, you know, looking out at the distance. And, and so I want to be there as well. Like it's one thing to turn up to a meeting, but if you're not engaging, you're not sharing, then you may as well not even be there. So what's it like to go back after you've had a break? It's it's tough. Like that's another thing that keeps me going. Like the last thing I want to do is walk back into these rooms and tell all these people that have relapsed. It's a very competitive side to me as well, I guess. And I probably shouldn't look at it this way, but I I don't look at it as a competition as such, but I don't want to be the person who's on, you know, day two. I want to be the person who's got years under their belt. And it's it, it's it's really tough going back into those rooms and admitting what you've done. It's, it's one of the toughest things I've had to do, and I've had to do it, you know, more unfortunately more than once. Yeah. So what do you think about the people who relapse and go back? Do you, do you view them differently? No. Well, I'm a very understanding person, and obviously – I, who am I to judge anyone else when I've done all this stuff, you know, over and over again? 
Yeah, that, that's a funny thing. We feel terrible about doing it ourselves, but you know, other, if other people do it, we're more than more than willing to help them. You know, sort of get back and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, listen, we might take another short break there. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR, on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Uh, today I'm talking with Tim about compulsive gambling and his recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. So, Tim, you got into GA and it wasn't really for you and then you went back and were trying pretty hard and had a break yep. and you're sort of back for, the I guess, the third time. And you don't want to lose it. So if GA is an important part of your life, how has it helped you now? For me, the best way um, that I sort of describe like GA to my partner and stuff is now because I'm committed to it and I actually I want to be there and I enjoy, I look forward to the meetings. It also is like I'm getting my fuel for the week. So sort of come Sunday night, I'm sort of running a bit empty and then, I go to a meeting on a Monday night, um, whether that be Zoom or in the rooms, um, and I feel like I've filled up again with fuel to get me through the week. It's just being in a room with other people who have done the same stuff, you know, the same stuff as me, have lived, a sim- you know, done similar stuff, think the same way. It just makes you, it makes me realise that I'm not a terrible person. I've just I've got a problem, and these people. They're, like they understand me because they, that's them as well. So it's hard for an addict to talk to someone who doesn't understand addiction because you sort of may sound a bit harsh, but you may as well talk to a, a brick wall because it's, it's very hard to understand unless you've sort of been in an addict's shoes, I guess. So Yeah, it's similar if you talk to somebody about lying and they've never never really lied in their life. They just, yeah, correct. They just don't get it. So how, how has it helped you in your relationship then? Because one of the one of the things about relationships is being honest and open yep so has it has it helped you in in your relationship yeah so my current partner i've been with since the start of march and she's uh she's a very um she's a very understanding person like she's been through uh, a divorce and she's got a young one and she's been a, a massive help for me because she's very understanding of addiction for her, and it's what I want as well, is she's uh, helping me open up um, as a person and, and be open and honest with how I'm feeling. So if I'm down, I'm talking to her about it. You know, even when I'm, when I'm happy, I'm talking to her about it. It's just having that dialogue. And, you know, there was a point where I thought I'd lost, I thought I'd lost them. I was going to relapse 60 days ago. So for her to give me that second chance um, has been massive for me. Um, and I, and I don't want to lose them. And I know if I go back and do it again, I run the risk of, of losing it. But for this relationship, like, yeah, it's been, GA has played a, a massive part. Like, if she's with me on a Monday night, she's sometimes she'll sit in with a meeting with me um, and, and listen so she can sort of get a, a bit more of an understanding on, you know, other people and how they might be doing and how, you know, not just hearing my sort of story. So for me, it's, it's, it's done a lot. Yeah. Are there any Gammonon meetings around for families? I believe there are, yes. It's not something we've spoken about, but I, I believe there is, yes. 
Yeah, because it's um, it, it's really helpful in you know in the alcoholic uh, family to for things have things like Al-Anon family groups to talk talk with other people about the fact that you know the the family or the you know relationships are focused on the alcoholic or the gambler and the gamblers focused on the um, you know the drinking or the gambling and so you know that they don't the addict doesn't see the family no they no, don't the family are you know full laser focus on you know on the the gambler or the alcoholic and it's a lot of people don't really realize that as a family member that you're that you're not in the addicted person's field of vision you're you're only yeah. you're only a, a an impediment to to their lifestyle sometimes yeah um and, and it really helps sort of un- understanding that the other thing i was wanted to talk about was um i guess the disease concept understanding that that it's not a, a moral issue it's a it's a thinking pattern yep so how has that helped you to sort of i guess forgive yourself understanding that it's not it's not a weakness it's a condition yeah look i don't think i'll ever fully forgive myself for some of the stuff that i've done and uh how i've treated some people you know obviously there will become a point where i sit down and do i have never done the steps as well so i plan to do that with my um with sponsor um next year at some point and i'll see i'll have to make amends to some of these people but i've definitely uh i understand a lot more that this um, is a disease. It doesn't have to define who I am as a person going forward. Whereas I'd go through stages of my life and I'd just be like, you know what, this is me. You know, I may as well just, just pump my life away. But it doesn't have to be me going forward. I can change. I can dictate how I live my life. I do deserve a better life for myself. Um, whereas before, I just, I never thought I deserved much of a future. Um, but now I'm starting to learn that I, you know, I'm, st- I'm starting to learn that I do, and that's what I want more than anything. We say, I always say, I just want a simple life. I don't want anything flashy. I just, I want a simple life without this addiction. Yeah. So being in GA, then has that helped you in your work? Tremendously. Um, like I touched on before, I don't think it's really had, like my punning's had much of an impact on my work. But in saying that, I've got a lot more drive when, you know, I'm obviously not living that lifestyle. So it does make things a lot easier in life when I'm not gambling. Um, so, yeah, for, for my work, has played a big part. I've had a pretty successful year, even though I've had a couple of slip-ups. Uh, I've gone into a new job and you know, I've really relished, but I'm really excited for next year to have, you know, have a, a gamble for a year and a full year, you know, in my new role with... Um, with no COVID and stuff and really launch into it. And yeah, I'm excited to see what I can do at hundred percent. Yeah. Cause I don't think I've ever really run it hundred percent with my work and stuff or as a, as a person. So that's something that excites me. Yeah. Um, so have you talked to your family about being in GA? Not really. Like since mum passed away, it's really been my brother that I speak to, but he knows I'm going again. I'm in the program again, but we don't really have open conversations about it, um, which I probably should be doing, to be honest. But it's probably me, probably more avoiding it. But I probably should be having a conversation and letting him know how things are going. Yeah, families are families are pretty important 
Oh, yeah, I guess relationships are pretty important, but I guess your primary relationship is is the one that you need to spend most time on because I, I think that was the thing that happened when I came into, into Al-Anon was about saying you, you've got to address your primary relationship problem because all the isms just complicate communication because of all the lying and um, yeah. deception. Yeah. And it's fair, you've, got to, you've got to have someone who you can talk to. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter who it is. You've just got to be able to talk to somebody. Otherwise, you go crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Being in GA then, what what sort of things do you do? Do you Are you involved with um, sponsorship yourself? No, not yet. Once I do plan on being, um, you know, taking on roles when I've got more time um, under my belt. Um, at the moment, my uh, primary sort of mission, I guess you could say, is to just really focus on myself and, and not take on too much. Yeah. But there will be a point where I would like to be more involved in the program and helping other people because I always um, think one of my uh, – I always like to add value to people's lives and help where I can. That's how I've always been. Um, I think I get that from, you know, definitely my parents. So it is something I am interested in. But at this point in time, it's just – solely focusing on what's best for myself and not taking on too much so I don't burn myself out and, um, you know, run the risk of sort of, of, of relapsing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty important <laughs> in real terms. It, it gets back to that thing of, you know, um, you've got to be well yourself before you can help someone else in real terms. Absolutely. And I probably didn't only just realise this this year that I can't take on everyone else's problems. I need to be able to focus on mine. And there will be, hopefully, get to a point where mine are right and I can help other people. Yeah, you've got capacity. That's not saying I won't help people, you know, sort of where I can, but it's just not taking on so much of other people's problems, which has always been an issue for me. Yeah, it's easy to live someone else's life. Absolutely. Yeah, you always know the answers for them. Yep. (laughs) Crazy. So I guess what are the things you want to get out of GA? in real terms? I suppose the biggest thing is um, I used to think, you know, when I was going in the rooms, I want to be doing it, you know, eight o'clock on a Monday night. Like I want to be at home just sort of relaxing. But now I view it as if all I have to do is go to this meeting on a Monday night and it keeps me on a straight and narrow and Jesus, it's just a pretty simple decision, isn't it? Really? Like <laughs> it's easy. So for me, it's just keep myself in check reaching out to other members and just building, you know, friendships to other members as well, which is something I've done as well. But it's just keep myself in check and it's a, it's a small price to pay going to a meeting once a week to give myself that future that I want. Yeah, yeah. So just quickly talking about the steps, you know, step one's about admitting powerlessness. So are you, are you happy that you, you have no control over your gambling? Oh, 100%. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result and not just being in this vicious cycle for the last uh, 11, 12 years. And, you know, it got to the point where I would walk into um, venues knowing that I wasn't coming out that money. And that to me is just, it's just like stupid. Like um, it's, it's crazy. So I'm a, I definitely do not have any power over it. Otherwise, if I did, I would have stopped this behavior a long time ago. Yeah. And what, what about step two then about, you know, have something beyond ourselves? Are you, are you happy with the concept that if you can't, something else can help you? Uh, a lot of people talk about their higher power. If, 
I've never really been, I'm not religious. So I think for me, my high power now is my mum who passed away. So, and I've found that's what works for me um, is, yeah. So my mum is definitely my high power. Um, she's a big influence on me when I was alive. And I know she's always there with me. So that's, that's my high power, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's really important to have something that you believe can help you. Um, and that's not you because otherwise, you know, we end up playing God ourselves. You know, we think we can yeah. fix ourselves and we can't. We're, yeah. we're, we're the problem, not, not the solution. <laughs> exactly right. So what would you say to somebody who has a gambling problem now and like yourself, you know, is thinking maybe there's a different way? What would you say to them? For me, it's an easy decision. It's just there's no harm in asking for help. Like it's not weak. It takes a stronger person to put their hand out and ask for help. Um, and I can't speak highly enough of the GA program and what it's, it's done for me as a person and the, the people I've met in those rooms. It's not worth it. Like if you've got a problem, like it's better to nip it in the bud now than let it drag out before it's too late. Like it can take you to some pretty dark places. It's taken me to some pretty dark places. It's just, it's an insidious disease that, you know, it can get to a stage where you've got no control over. It's a, I feel it's honestly a disease that can rip your soul out. Um, it's it's horrible. Um, I've, you know, I've seen what it's done to people. I've seen what it's done to myself over the last 12 years. So my advice would be would be to definitely go to one of these meetings and buy into the program because it does work. Like You've got people in there that have been doing it for 20 years. So that's the proof that you need that the program does work, that you've got to want it. Yeah, yeah. If anybody would like to find out more about Gambles Anonymous, uh, you can phone them in Victoria on 03 9696 6108 or you can go online at gaaustralia.org.au for more information about meetings or phone contacts throughout Australia. Uh, that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Tim for sharing his gambling recovery story with us and talking about how Gamblers Anonymous helped him. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Bill. Really appreciate it. No worries. Um, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll feature Steve from Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR.